0: probably be switching gears to something else next wednesday night probably though you never know we might we might hit another psalm or two but this is kind of a good stopping point i like to use these psalms kind of in between different books and different things that we study just to kind of just to kind of be a break from what we're in and we'll take six or seven or eight usually at a time before we start something else and this is kind of a good place to stop because this is the end of the second book of psalms and some of you are saying what do you mean the second book of psalms there's only one psalm well i don't know that we've discussed this so we'll we'll discuss it now is a good time to discuss it when you look at the book of psalms it's 150 chapters but some of your translations may may say the throughout the book at certain chapters that it's the beginning of book one or book two or book three book four or book five now Chances are, if you have a King James Version, it probably is not going to say when those different books start and stop. However, most other other translations acknowledge this, and rightfully so. We should acknowledge this. It's, it's good for us to see. Because when we look at chapters and verses in our Bible, those didn't come till a few hundred years ago. Those were things that we added. They weren't in the original text. There were no chapters. There were no verses. But... When it comes to the book of Psalms being split up as it was that was actually in the oldest manuscripts we have we saw the Psalms arranged in a certain way. And so Psalm 72 is going to be the final Psalm in what we would refer to as book two. I believe Psalm 41 was the end of the first book, Psalm 89 is the end of the third book, and I'm not sure which one is the end of the fourth book. And then, of course, 150 is the end of, the, of all of them. And you can see, really, at the end of each of these books, they all have verses that really get to a, a place of closure. You can tell that, that whoever assembled these, these, these different books, as, as we have in Psalm, they, they, they make closure at the end of each one. And you usually see words like amen or hallelujah or something like that at the end of each of them. Now, why these, these psalms are split into five separate books and the way they are is somewhat of a mystery. Now, we've, we've go- I say we, scholars have gone through throughout the years and kind of labeled different psalms in different categories. Some that kind of cover the same thing, they'll say, well, this is a this is a, a, this kind of psalm and that kind of psalm and another kind of psalm. And we split them into different categories, but even though originally they were split into five books, there's a variety of all those psalms spread throughout. Uh, some have said it's a progression. You see at the beginning of the psalms, you see in particularly David, because that's what we see toward the, the first book or two is a lot of David's writing. You see hard times. Uh, you, see, you kind of see a progression of things getting good from, from David really calling out to the Lord and going through a lot of suffering, which we've seen a lot in the last few weeks, these last several psalms we've looked at. By the time you get to the end of the psalms, though, uh, you, you see kind of a more positive note. Some have said they just are simply arranged in a, in a progression uh, from, from tough times to better times. Uh, some have said that, that each of these five books of the psalm will line up with things that were taught in the first five books of the Bible, which is sometimes referred to as the Torah or the Pentateuch. You may have heard those names, the books of the law, the books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So some have said that the five books of Moses line up with those first five books of the Bible. Now, I can say that I haven't spent great time studying each of these separate books of Psalm and comparing them to those books, so I don't know if that's accurate or not. All that to say that originally, uh, at least in the oldest manuscripts we see, whoever arranged these Psalms, and some have suggested that it may have been Ezra that eventually put all of these together, uh, they were split into different books. Now, these are psalms that cover a long span of time. We, You, you may remember a few weeks ago we covered uh, a verse or two from Psalm 90, and that was a psalm of Moses. We see psalms of David, and tonight we see the mention of Solomon, and we see Asaph, and we see other people mentioned who wrote these psalms and these people are sometimes separated by hundreds of years and so uh, all of these psalms were written at different times and at some point in time somebody gathered them together in one collection separated them into five different groups and that is what we call in our bible today the book of psalms and so that's a little bit of a little bit of history uh, as to why you may see in your in your bible when you flip over to psalm 73 that it says book three or something along those lines. And, uh, and that's why uh, originally these psalms were split into five books. So let's pray, and then we will get into Psalm 72. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good word. And God, I pray that you help us to get something from these psalms that we read tonight. God, we want to learn your word and understand your word. And I pray, God, that something we see would speak to our hearts. I pray that you free us of distractions and worries and stresses and whatever may, may keep us from, from focusing on you tonight, I pray that we'd focus on you. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would help me to preach and teach and do a good job. I pray, God, that it is all for your glory. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just be among us in this place tonight. And I just thank you that we can be here and pray that you bless this time we have. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Some of your translations may have the superscription uh, the reign of the righteous king, a psalm of Solomon. Now, there is some, some discussion to be had as to who actually <coughs> wrote this psalm. Uh, some have said that it is a, a, a psalm that Solomon wrote. Uh, some have said that it's a, a, a psalm that David wrote. Uh, about Solomon applying to Solomon. Some have said that this was David's prayer but it was written by Solomon uh, and so it's hard to know exactly who wrote this. However, in reading through it and studying it it seems to me that this psalm is probably applying to Solomon. It doesn't seem likely that it is a psalm that is wrote by Solomon speaking of his son because his son wasn't very good and Of course, Solomon sinned a lot, and things were already going downhill Uh, by the time the kingship went from David to Solomon. Solomon started off pretty strong, but things went downhill pretty quick. And then by the time it got to his son, uh, things were really bad. I think his son's name was Rehoboam. I get them confused sometimes. There was a Rehoboam and a Jeroboam. I think Solomon's son was Rehoboam. But by the time he came along, things were pretty bad. It doesn't seem to me that this is a psalm that Solomon wrote speaking of his son it seems more likely that these words are applicable to Solomon. Now, whether David penned them about Solomon, whether David spoke these things and Solomon uh, wrote them down, there would have been a time right here at the end of David's life uh, when it appears that this may have been written, that perhaps as David was a little older, that obviously he wasn't able to carry out all of the duties of being king, and perhaps Solomon... uh, soon to be the king, may have been taking more of a more of a leading role and taking more of the responsibilities as as king, and that's a possibility. We don't know that for sure. But that seems to make sense. I mean we see that even in our in our in our culture today. Maybe you've got a, a father and son business and maybe the father has been in control, but as the father begins to age out, the son begins to take more of their responsibilities and maybe maybe the father is still the owner, but really it's the son who's doing the work and eventually it'll be the son's business anyway and maybe that's what's going on here David is still the king toward the end of his days and he is preparing Solomon for what is to come now all that said these passages also seem to point us to Jesus Christ now that's where sometimes we have some difficulties with Old Testament passages because we see language that certainly could apply to the person in the time it was written, which in this case seems to be Solomon. But it also appears in some of these passages that we see that the person that's being spoken of can in no way fulfill everything that's being talked about in the passage. And so this passage uh, seems to point us forward to Jesus ultimately, even though maybe in the context uh, it was speaking of Solomon. Uh, What we see it speaking of... Uh, is something that Solomon could never accomplish. I mean, maybe to some degree he fulfills some of these things, but but ultimately, what's being spoken of here is only going to be fulfilled through Jesus. Now, some of your translations will 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 present this as speaking of Jesus almost entirely, in uh, particularly, I believe the the New King James Version will have the word he, him, his, anything like that throughout here uh, will be capitalized. Now, when we see that, we know that that's speaking of God or speaking of Jesus. And so if you have a new King James and maybe some other translations do that as well, you're gonna see he capitalize a lot throughout this passage. Uh, If you have uh, any other translation, even, even the old King James, I don't believe it capitalizes it most of the time and most other translations do not. And now the reason for that difference is that obviously the interpreters and translators of the New King James believed that this was speaking of Jesus. And so they capitalized those words to reflect that, that interpretation that they had. Other interpreters for other translations have said, no, uh, we're, we're going we're to leave lowercase c. Not to say that it could not apply to Jesus, but it may not be so obvious without seeing those capitalizations. And so I believe that this is probably speaking of Solomon in the moment but it certainly is pointing us forward to Jesus. That's a big introduction for Psalm 72, but we're going to get into it. Psalm 72, verse 1. Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted with justice. Okay, so... Here we see, give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. So we know who's being talked about here, the king's son, which seems likely to be be Solomon. And so if Solomon is the son spoken of here, then it would make sense that David would be the one who would be saying these words, that these are the thoughts and the comments of David. And what does David want? He wants his son to judge the people with righteousness and to be one who rules with justice. And so... Be a good leader. Be a good leader to the people. Treat the people right and justice. That's something we see kind of throughout these first few verses here. Be a just king. Don't let evil go unpunished, but deal with evil that needs to be dealt with. Verse 3, Let the mountains bring peace to the people and the hills in righteousness. May he vindicate the afflicted of the people. Save the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. Let them fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he come down like rain upon the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and endurance of peace, excuse me, and abundance of peace uh, till the moon is no more. And so here we see more of this language. what is does what is the, the, the writer here want us to know? What does he want his son to do? He wants him to be a good king and to be righteous and to be justice and to take care of the needy and and to and to take care of the oppressed. And so these are all good qualities for a leader to have. I mean, these are the qualities that we still want our leaders to have in our world today. I mean who wouldn't want their leaders to have these qualities? Somebody who is righteous, somebody who cares for the needy, somebody who who, who, who goes to defend those who are oppressed. Uh, this is the qual- these are the types of qualities that we want in a leader. We want leaders that, 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 that are just. Now, that's not a popular thing in our world today. Uh, many leaders today don't want to do what is just. They can't do what is just because many leaders today are afraid to say anything is wrong. And justice involves saying this is wrong and there is punishment for wrongdoing. But we can't say that in our world today. We can't say anything is wrong. And so that is an injustice. To let sin go unpunished, to say that to say that sin is good is an injustice. But what, what David, more than likely, is who is speaking here, is saying is that he wants Solomon to be a just king. And that's 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 a good thing. When you have a just king, it takes care of evil, it punishes evil. And as a result, evil begins to go down. When evil is unpunished, it runs rampant. And so David here is speaking some good wisdom uh, in his thoughts of what he desires for his son and that his son may bring an abundant of peace and that's a good thing that's what we desire is peace verse 8 may he also rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth let the nomads of the desert bow before him and his enemies lick the dust let the kings of Tarshish and of the islands bring uh, presents the kings of Sheba and Seba offer gifts and let the kings bow down before him all nations serve him now we look at verses like verse 8 may he rule from sea to sea and we may say well that didn't that didn't happen in solomon's day so clearly this is talking about somebody else well possibly so but even though solomon didn't reign from sea to sea so to speak uh, that doesn't mean that that's not the desire of david here i mean it's possible David's just saying that i mean We would say that about our children, right? We want our children to to go and be successful and powerful and have billions of dollars and, and, and serve the Lord and have good jobs and raise good families. I mean, these are the things we desire for our children. But even if they don't accomplish all that we desire, uh, it it doesn't mean that that, that our desire, you know, uh, was was pointing to somebody else. Oh, we must have been speaking of someone else's child because our child didn't accomplish that. That's one way we could we could look at that to say these are what these are things that, that David desired for Solomon, even though they, they may not have come to fruition. Uh, we could also say, nope, these these things are speaking strictly of Jesus, that that there was something bigger in mind that David had when he spoke these words, not just to Solomon, but he was actually speaking of Jesus who was to come, and that could be how we are to take those words as well. However, one reason why I think that this could be speaking of Solomon are because of these places that are mentioned here, Tarshish and Sheba. Uh, we see these places mentioned in the reign of Solomon as king. Uh, we see, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Solomon got some s- some materials or gold or something. I'm not sure what it was from Tarsus. And then perhaps you, you've heard of the queen of Sheba. And so these very places and people that are spoken of here are the people that we see mentioned in the life of Solomon once he becomes king. And so uh, that's one reason why I think that this may be speaking of Solomon here because of those those different people groups uh, that were mentioned verse 12 for he will deliver the needy when when he cries for help the afflicted also and him who has no helper he will have compassion on the poor and needy and the lives of the needy he will save he will rescue their life from oppression and violence and their blood will be precious in his sight now uh, certainly this would be a good thing for david uh, to one of Solomon, to help those in need, to be good for him to take care of them, that people would be precious to him, that he would have compassion on them. But again, this also applies to Jesus very well. I mean, Jesus has these same qualities. He's compassionate. He cares for the needy. And their blood is precious in his sight. And so, <clears throat> even if this certainly does speak about Solomon, uh, that does not eliminate that it points forward to Jesus as well, because even though Solomon may accomplish some of these things, Ultimately, God wants to fulfill these types of things uh, in, uh, perfectly, and it's only Jesus who is going to be able to accomplish that. Verse 15. So may he live, and may the gold of Sheba be given to him, and let them pray for him continually. Let them bless him all day long. May there be abundance of grain in the earth on top of the mountains, its fruit will wave like the cedars of Lebanon. And may those from the city flourish like vegetation of the earth. May his name endure forever. May his name increase as long as the sun shines. And let men bless themselves by him. Let all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of david the son of jesse are ended and so we can see by this close here that there's some closure to this second part of the book this book number two of psalms and at the end of each of the books you see you see statements like that that are of closure and we see this this idea of verse 17 may his name endure forever may his name increase as long as the sun shines and let Men blessed themselves by him, let all nations call him blessed. Now, of course, as we have said throughout this whole thing, this could be speaking of Solomon. But ultimately, most have viewed this as a, as a messianic psalm that's really pointing us forward to Jesus Christ. Because everything that, that David desired of Solomon here would never be accomplished by Solomon. Nor would it be accomplished by any earthly king. It was only Jesus who was going to accomplish what the desire of David is and what the desire of God is. And that is that people are delivered. That those who are in need are helped, That those who are in trouble uh, experience compassion. That those who are wronged experience justice. And that's what God promises to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus has accomplished all of these things. He is the one who is compassionate toward us he is the one who is there for us in our time of need he is our comfort he is our compassion and he is the one who will ultimately deliver us and give us all we need for all of eternity and we need to praise Jesus we need to follow Jesus and that's what we see throughout all of Scripture woven throughout the whole Old Testament throughout all of these Psalms even if the psalmist may not have known in the moment exactly how God was going to bring about the Messiah and how God was going to accomplish deliverance for his people, we see all of these things about Jesus kind of woven throughout all of the Old Testament. And when we come to passages like Psalm 72, it seems clear that this is not only speaking of Solomon, but it is also speaking of a greater king who is to come, and that is King Jesus. And I hope today we are all uh, put our faith in him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words, and I pray that you just bless them. I pray that you help us to soak all this in and and look to King Jesus, dear Lord, that he is the one that we want to bow before. God, that every king and every nation and every people will bow to, that every tongue will confess. So God, let us be found faithful tonight to be those who confess that Jesus is Lord. And we thank you for your words, and I pray that you just bless the reading of them, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.